Today we're talking about artist management, the ups, the downs, highs, lows. What's it take to be a good one? Let's get into it. You are now listening to the Music Business Streams podcast, brought to you by KDMR Music. Yo, yo, yo. Welcome. Welcome to the Music Business Dreams Podcast, episode eight, nine, eight, seven. I don't know. So, thank you so much for listening. I'm your host, Brandon Jackson. And of course, if you're listening to the show, you know that this is the point where I just thank you guys for being a part of the audience, for being a part of our listenership, uh, because it's, it's really cool to see how this podcast has grown. We don't put any advertising money behind this, we just, you know, we post the show and we go. So I wanted to shout out you guys for a second, just a few things I've noticed. So we've had uh, listens in over 22 different countries. So I want to shout out some of the places we've seen you guys listening from. We've got Canada, we've got the UK, we've got Argentina, Portugal, Germany, Sweden, South Africa, Macedonia, uh, the British Virgin Islands, the Netherlands, Switzerland, Latvia, and so many more places. I want to say thank you guys for listening to the show. I really hope the show has been helping you. Hey, do something for me. Do me a favor. I want you guys to reach out to me on Twitter at KDMR Music and tell me how you've been enjoying the show, where you're listening from. Shout out your city, shout out your country, shout out your state, wherever you are. I want to know who you are and I want to talk to you guys. Um, So, Now that that's out of the way, I want to talk to you guys about our next guest. Um, We had an amazing conversation with Mike Luna, um, and now he's the founder of Moon Artists. He's an artist manager, but he told us about how he got started in the music business, uh, what he does on a day-to-day basis as an artist manager. There are great tips for independent artists, but also people who want to be managers as well. So I won't ruin it. Let's get right into that interview. All right, guys, our next guest on the show is Mike Luna. Uh, He's a Flint, Michigan native who lives in Chicago via Dallas, Texas, and one of a few indigenous people working in the music industry right now. Uh, He started Moon Management in 2016 with his first client, Xavier Omar, and I'll let him tell you the rest. Uh, So welcome to the Music Business Dreams podcast, Mike Luna. How are you doing? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Good, man. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm really excited for our conversation. Um, And I want to jump right in. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? All right. Like like you said earlier, I'm I'm from Flint, Michigan, Um, born and raised, uh, moved down to the south of Dallas uh, right after high school, Um, you know, uh, went to college in Dallas. Moved out to Cali for a little bit, moved back to Dallas, and that's when about 2010 is when I kind of got started in the music is I uh, started out um, helping artists build their websites. So you remember, this is like 2010, so WordPress just started kind of like popping. So I was building a few websites for some artists, and then I helped out a friend. Um, who had started an independent hip-hop label. Um, was helping them out with, like, social media and some marketing stuff. Did that for a year. And then in the summer of 2011, asked me if I'd come on as his business partner. So I bought 40% of an independent hip-hop label for $1,000. And that's how I got into the music business. Wow. Nice. Um, yeah. It's crazy. Like, my, it's so funny because my... My educational background doesn't say I should be in the business, music business. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm from Flint, Michigan. People from Flint don't really get, you know, don't get to be where I get to be right now, which is crazy. So, yeah, everything, like, points to, like, I should not be around that. Right. And so you so you started, what was your educational background? So it's so funny, dude. My, my bachelor's degree is in uh, theological studies, and then I have a master's degree as well in theological studies. Wow! wow. So I was so, on my way to be to work in the clergy, you know, to be <laughs> to be a minister. That was my trajectory. <laughs> wow! So what was it about the music industry that kind of kept you in? 
So I've always been like a big um, music fan, um, specifically like hip hop. And uh, once I got into it, it was almost like you don't know how much you like it until you like do it. And so, yeah, like once I got into it, it was like like fish and water, man. Like I was like, how come I haven't been doing this for a minute? Like I I just fell in love with it. yeah, just helping, especially, like, being able to help artists, like, you know, identify, like, their goals and, like, what they want to do and then helping them get there, like, you know, uh, building a strategy, trying to figure out, like, you know, the next steps, you know, how to get to where they want to go. So, right. Nice. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, your earlier work in the business. Can you talk about that transition from, you know, just doing website development to helping to uh, set up full-on marketing campaigns and how that transition went for you? Yeah, man. Um, yeah, because at first, I mean, it was kind of like, you know, just like freelance, you work on one kind of like project here and there. And then transitioning into when I uh, became, you know, part of this label, I, I came on as a chief marketing officer or uh, chief operations officer in now you're, you know, taking an artist, going, you know, looking at, an, you know, an album. I'm like, okay, album's done. Figuring out, okay, what's the overall message of the album? How do we want to communicate this? What does this look like visually? Um, you know, how do we uh, maximize social media? So even, like, the, the, the second album I ever worked on, like, we were able to devise a marketing plan we spent no money on marketing, zero money on marketing, and it debuted eighty nine on Billboard Hot two hundred. Like wow, yeah, like um, so. It, it's just you know, like, there's more way to like just a more focus transition. It was just like more of a focus, tailoring it to the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's talk about that that early Billboard success. Um, if you guys weren't spending money on marketing, what was the strategy to kind of get it in front of people? So, so again, this was like, this was late 2012, early uh, 2013. And so like, it's funny, like I talk about her, my wife as like my secret weapon. So she's like this marketing genius. She's literally one of the first people to use social media for marketing for businesses. Like, I can do that. I don't even remember if you remember Zanga, that like a uh, little like mini blog thing that was one of the first social media platforms out. I mean, she was like using that to help uh, people like Mark. So she was, she was literally like the way her mind works, she was like five, seven years ahead of everybody. So she actually sat us down and showed us how Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, YouTube, and Instagram, how they work together, how they're similar, how they're different. Um, just really gave us like this like boot camp of like how to utilize these platforms. Um, and yeah, so like out of that, then we just devised a strategy of like how to use these platforms. And yeah, man, it, it was crazy. You couldn't back then. So like, uh, the name of the, the project was We Live at Kings, W-L-A-K. And like you just could not get away from it. You could not get away from it. And, um, like, it was funny because this is when uh, Macklemore's The Heist was, like, spin on top of, like, iTunes uh, hip-hop. And, like, right. we jumped. We, we, like, passed it. We, were, like, ended up number one, uh, like, when it debuted. Wow. Like, it was crazy. Like, it was crazy. Like, this is back, back when people were still buying albums. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we did, like, in our first, uh, it was, like, 6,000 albums sold. Like, sold, not streamed, sold. Like, it's funny to think about that was only five years ago. Right. And now it's like that's almost unheard of for an independent act. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's crazy because even, like, like Billboard took notice and even did, like, a little, uh, uh, little like, article about it, a little write-up about the album, how, like, you know, just kind of came out of nowhere. Right. Yeah, I remember seeing an article... This was 
this is like what a year and a half ago maybe about how if an art if an artist if an artist can get like 2000 sales and you can end up on a billboard chart like it doesn't take that much just because people aren't buying music as much anymore oh yeah it's not even close like dude, i'm so i grew up like I, my high school years were in the 90s mm-hmm. you know so i remember dude i remember like vanilla ice i think in his first week did like 12 million albums. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? Like those days are so long gone. Wow. Okay. So in real high, high point people hit gold. That used to be like the norm. Right. Yeah. I'm not, I remember I was wondering like just, and maybe because of the streams, like you can keep the same benchmarks in place, but I know for a little bit, there was talk of reclassifying, uh, the album sales certifications, like making it to where platinum was half a million and gold was less than that. But I don't think that's going to happen. I'm not, I don't think that's in the works anymore. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. Right. But uh, so um, after Collision Records, you kind of transitioned into artist management in 2016. Um, why make the switch? So, well, actually what happened is I was at Collision Records for three years. I sold my shares back to them and started uh, another label with a friend of mine, Straight Terrible Music. And then we we changed the name to Never Sleep Music. So when we started that uh, indie label, Xavier was the first person we signed. Back then he was going by Spazzy Rocket. So he was the first artist we signed. And when we signed him, he was like, hey, I need a manager. So I was like, cool. I was like, I'll do it until we can find you someone. Well, like two years into it, it was just like, well, it's not broke. You know, don't fix it. And actually, like in those two years of doing management and getting into it, I just, I, I actually like liked that aspect more than running a label. So then, uh, yeah, it's when Zero and I decided like, yeah, okay, let's make this like a for real like management partnership. So then April of 2016 is when I started new. Okay. Yeah, so, I just, so that aspect of the music business is just... Because, like, here, like, here's real talk, man. Like, uh, labels now, or, like, independent labels, like, basically it's... Basically, they do a lot of management already. They do a lot right. of management work already. But then on top of that, it's also, like, funding... Um, projects, you know, and then uh, there's just some of the day-to-day type stuff. Like, I'm not a big um, administration, so, like, at the first of the month, you know, we get our payouts, and then having to pay out producers, like, having to sit down and do that was just, I mean, that's, like, torturous. Like, I, you know, looking at spreadsheets on stuff, oh, necessary, but not, not what I was um, I'm not excited about that. Right. So talk about the flip side of that with management and the things that you enjoy about that. Oh man, with management is just like being able to, uh, really like be an advocate for the artists I get to work with, you know, so really like in finding opportunities like outside of music, like all the opportunities are connected to the music, but they're not necessarily like, uh, you know, um, a direct line is more like a dotted line. So, you know, just, yeah, just find opportunities for the guys to, you know, get their names out there, build a brand. Um, yeah, like, um, but also be an advocate for them, like, you know, say like shows and stuff. And like, um, I, I love to negotiate. I love it. So if it's a show or someone wants one of the artists to do something, like I, yeah, I love to negotiate the the deal. I love it. I'm I'm competitive. I played 16 years of soccer, so um, I think it scratches that itch, like getting in there to be competitive and yeah, just kind of quote unquote win. Right. So, yeah, but the thing, too, is, like, you know, these artists, like, you know, not all, some of them have, like, you know, have uh, some business mindset to them, 
a lot of them, you know, they just want to make their music. You know, they don't want to like have to worry about uh, necessarily the the business stuff. Now, I like I get you don't want to worry about it, but you definitely need to be aware of what's going on business wise. Right. So, but that's the other, you know, it's like you know, I hate this. Cause, you know, I'm sure you know, I mean, this is a music industry. It's a um, it can be dark. You know, I mean, there's a lot of greedy people in the industry, and, and they'll try and like take advantage of you. Like, it's funny, man. Even in my our experience, you know, like I'm a nice guy, but don't don't like confuse me being a nice guy for as a weakness. Like, don't make that mistake. Like, because like if you you try to take advantage of us, straight come at us, like it's not gonna work out well for you. Right. So how would you describe your day-to-day role as a manager? Man, dude, there's no two days that look the same. Like, it's funny. People try to ask me, like, what's a typical day? I'm like, typical day, it it doesn't exist. Like, I mean, it just depends. Because especially because, like, I, um, you know, Xavier's not the only artist I work with. You know, there's probably in total, it's probably, I think I'm around seven now. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like, you know, just in, even in like in this week, man, like two artists put out singles, another artist put out a video, um, let's see, like another, you know, Xavier got, um, yeah, he, the song he featured on for Superboy, you know, got announced on 2K19, um, another act. You know, like, had, they had a show here in Chicago. So, you know, there's, there's all those things that are going on. Then also, like, uh, you know, it just depends what's going on, you know, like this week as well. Like, I sat down uh, with an uh, duo, Irish Temple, that I work with. You know, they're getting ready to um, – they just dropped yesterday, uh, you know, Friday, the um, single. And so it was just, you know – trying to get that out to as many people as possible. Um, and then, you know, with them, like, they also announced their EP. So it was, like, you know, we met about that, like, what that's going to look like, what, uh, how are we going to maximize that um, rollout. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, there is no typical yeah, – this is one thing, I, like, the music industry has, like, a framework. There's mm-hmm. not, like, a whole lot of, like, structure. Like, you right. can make it look like however you want it to, really. Right. Um, so. I trans- transitioned into the consulting that I do now and, you know, the educational platform we have with the podcast and YouTube and things like that. I was in artist management as well. And trying to describe artist management, because I got started around 2011 also. And in that time, it was like, it seemed like artist management was doing everything a label would do but with none of the resources and (laughs) and it it's it seems that way even more so now um and trying to describe to an artist what a manager does right because that's the other thing a lot of artists feel like they need a manager i don't know because it's like a buzzworthy term or just they just you know everybody's got one but no one really knows what they do. What do you think an artist should be looking out for? Um, well, even before then, when do you think an artist is ready for a manager? I think an artist is ready for a manager when the business aspects of their career becomes too much or like overwhelming. Or I guess I guess the best way I would say is when, when the business aspects of your career are interfering with your creative being able to make music. If you're having to put too much focus into the business side of it and it's affecting your uh, ability to create music, mm-hmm. that's when you need a manager. Definitely. And I, I would agree with that. Um, so what do you think an artist, an artist should look out for when it comes to choosing the right manager, you think there are qualities that a good manager has, or does it depend on the artist? Yeah, I guess it depends on what the artist want, is wanting from 
a manager because some artists like to be very hands-on. Some want to be very, you know, like just kind of hands-off, just be in the know of what's going on. So, um, but I mean, you want someone that is going to be willing to like fight for you. Like, you know, like to, cause if you let them, people will take advantage of you in the music industry. You need a manager that's going to be like, nah, like, um, you know, like, and that, and also like a manager that understands your work as an artist is on the same page with you about your, the artist's work. Um, the thing too is like, there's a lot I have seen like management managers that are like also wanting to be artists. Um, I don't know. I just don't, it's rare that you see that work. Mm. Usually like if someone, you know, like a, in any part of like, actually like any part of the business, music business that like, uh, someone's trying to pursue being an artist and they, you know, try to, you know, be, uh, either run a label or be a manager or some aspect of the business, like usually it doesn't work because they want to like focus on their art as well. Right. So I, it's not impossible. It's just highly unlikely that it's going to work or that it's going to like, yeah, I just, I have, I, I have not seen it work well. Right. Yeah, I once saw um, the relationship between an artist and their manager compared to a marriage. And from from the little bit of experience I had, I was, I was a manager for like five, six years. I found that to be true. Um, and maybe it's because the act I had was female. But... It was like because you're you're constantly having to work out these communication barriers, and then you've got your goals, and the artist has their own goals, and then you're dealing with as a manager, you're not just managing activities, but you're managing moods and you're managing expectations. How do how do you balance all of those things, especially with as many acts as you have, and kind of tailor that to those activities to each artist that you have? So. Right, I'm about to I'm about to go way deep. So, one, I don't believe in balance. Balance does not exist. Like mm. I I don't know anybody that ever in their where their life is fully balanced. That everything is like on the same plane. Everything is balanced. Like so, I don't know. Like I don't try to pursue balance. Um, but what I would say is like it's a dance, and there's different moves and different type of music playing so you gotta adapt um so like i don't know if i i can totally see the the marriage um metaphor for me it's more like i guess because even like the guys like that i work with like um they kind of given me the nickname unk so mm-hmm. it's like more almost like my relationship is more almost like older brother maybe um uncle type you know like so very familial but um there's like a the relationship i have with the the artists i work with like um like trust is huge and like they i make sure they know me like inside and out i don't even like on a personal level like um yeah like they know me like you know uh, it's funny. One one time, we had my wife and I had some uh, some of the guys over for the cookout, mm-hmm. and and my wife asked them like, I don't know, just out of curiosity, like, hey, what do you like? You know, what do you normally eat? Blah blah blah. And one of the guys said, Oh man, I've been eating sweet for dinner. And someone else was like, What? And he was like, Yeah, like, I eat sweet for you know, I didn't even see it. You know, saying he not been eating anything mm-hmm. that dude went home my wife packed up probably like three grocery bags full of food and like you know sent him home with it and was like you're not eating sweet for dinner ever again like mm-hmm. that's the type of like uh relationship like that i have with the arts i work with like they know like if they're in need like like, well, I feel very strongly like about one of my like duties as a manager is to remove obstacles from them 
that can, you know, hinder them creating music and pursuing their their dream. So, you know, I'm and I'm always looking at the long term place. So I like, yeah, I don't. I'll take a fifty dollar L right now. Right now, when I know, you know, in two years, it might come back in like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. You know what I'm saying? So right. Um, but this is the type of like relationship or like. You know, even with, cause like a lot of these guys I've known, um, for a while now, um, like Xavier I've known, obviously I've known him, geez, since 2013, so it's five years. Asaiz Ziv, who I work with, I've known him, he's, I think he's, I've known him since he was like 14 or 15 years old, and he just, he just turned 22 not too long ago. So I've known him for a long time. Um, you know, Suede I've known for a long time. Pat Jr. I've known. Uh, probably Frick. I've known Pat Jr. Pat Jr. is interesting because I, I knew him more as a producer than a rapper because he had produced some records for us. But I've known him for a couple of years. Um, Irish Temple, like, they're the only ones that I had been, like, have a, like, prior relationship with before entering management with them. Right. Um, I think I answered your question. Yeah, definitely. No, it's, it's it's totally fine. That's why we do podcasts. Let's see. So, I guess and we we kind of alluded to this earlier, but record sales are you know almost a non-existent revenue stream in the music business unless you're like a top tier act. So, how are you able to get by? You know, on managers' commissions. While allowing their artists, allowing your artists, excuse me, to maintain their integrity, knowing that record sales aren't a part of the, the deal. Oh, dude! Like so, I mean, that's why I like finding stuff outside of that. You know, so that's where, you know, like pitching for TV shows and movies or ads uh, comes in, or just like, um, you know, like I'm pretty involved with shows. Um, getting the guy's show. So, like, it's just having to find other opportunities. One, I mean, TV, pitching for music for, like, TV and film is pretty big. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, even, you know, Irish Temple has gotten on uh, Black Lightning earlier this year. You know, that was a nice little check for them. Um, Xavier, like, uh, him being on the Insecure soundtrack and then B2K. 19 contract, you know, those are, they're just other uh, avenues you just have to find, you know, like, even, like, early on, like, uh, Xavier, when, um, in his Bonfire album, like, one of the singles out there, like, I got a deal with Starbucks, where they were streaming his, uh, one of his songs in every Starbucks in the U.S. and in China, you know, like, so it's just trying to find other avenues to, yeah, like, make money in, yeah, you just can't solely, like, you know, I mean, what is it, like a dollar for every 150 streams? Like, I mean, you got, you can make a thousand dollars, you have to basically stream, what, 500,000 streams to make a thousand dollars? Like, yeah, you're just not gonna, unless you're a superstar, you know, you're not, you're not making much off of streaming. Right. Definitely. But shows are huge. Merchandise is huge as well. So. True. Okay. That's the thing, like, with manager, because, like, cause, like, I have my hand in everything. Like, because um, we haven't even, like, built a team, like, you know, like, there's a guy that uh, works for Moon that he is, like, he's Xavier's tour manager. You know, um, so, I mean, it's just... Yeah, you got to get creative. Right. So as your agency grows and as you, you know, take on more acts, um, I would imagine you have to add more staff. How is it um, adding people to an operation where, you know, you care about what's happening so deeply? How do you find it? Is is it easy for you to trust people and delegate tasks to them? Um. Well, the thing is, so in the... So like here's uh real time case in point. So 
earlier this year, I hired um, this guy, Isaac Martinez, and he's come on as my brought my um, as my assistant because he really wanted to learn how we do stuff. Because he's unbelievably talented, like crazy talented. And uh, our interview, though, like it ended up being three hours. Not that I meant it to be that long. It was just we like connected like on like music and business and like I could just tell I mean you know if you have a conversation with someone for three hours like either you're arguing really bad or like it's a vibe you know Um, and so like even in that process like and I'm slow about bringing people on um, like I really want to like know them and like I'm uh, I'm very, very direct. Like, there is no, uh, with me, there's no in between the lines, no, nothing underlying, like, what I say is what I mean. And so I'm very direct about, like, expectations, consequences. Um, yeah, so, like, they, nobody that works for me ever has to guess what I'm thinking or, like, what is expected of them. Um, right. But yeah, like, but, and like, I've also been pretty lucky because like, yeah, the, the team that I have, man, they're phenomenal. Like, this dude, so Xavier's tour manager, they have a crazy story. This guy, his name's Steven. This dude, so Xavier was doing his first headline tour in December of 2017. Xavier wanted some lights for, his, you know, like his own lighting. And so we got him, you know, uh, lighting and this dude Steven in literally one day who had never run lights before ever in one day learned how to use the entire lighting system and it wasn't just like like this was some like LED stuff that like Xavier wanted certain colors at certain points in the music or oh, wow. on the song and like I mean it was like it's pretty intricate this dude learned it in one day and ran it for all 16 shows. Wow. Like, I've never seen anything like that. I didn't even know he could do that. He, I don't even think he knew he could do that. Right. Um, but I mean, like, yeah. And, like, I just have been, like, yeah, like, I've got amazing people around me working with me. I mean, I think, too, man, it's how you build your team, man. Like, nobody, it's not like the my team, like, they, like, I just don't view them as, like, quote-unquote, working for me. I don't do this hierarchy of um, running my company. It is, like, this is where we're going. Come alongside me. Let's go. There. You want to come alongside? Let's go. Now, yes, right. we all have different responsibilities. My responsibility is how the company goes and, and to run it, but but I just don't view them. It's more like I view, like, people that work for me. Even using that, like, type of language, like, you don't work for me, you work with me. Um, that's huge, too. Like, and that trickles on down, you know, even to the, to the artist, like, like, I'm working with you. Like, I'm trying to help you get to where you want to go. Right. Nice, man. So, I was reading an article that you were quoted in for a DJ booth and they were asking about, you know, what does it mean to be independent in 2018? Right. And I think the biggest thing that had happened at the time was chance had just signed, um, you know, or chance had just told everyone how coloring book came about and how Apple had given him, I think half a million dollars for exclusive rights for a certain period of time. Um, so you were quoted as saying that being independent means the artist has complete creative control it doesn't so much matter about what the distribution model is, nor does it matter who owns the masters. Um, what's your approach to the idea of independence? Do you feel like that's something that needs to be maintained at all times? Or do you do you have anything against like a label deal when the time comes? No, like, like there's a reason why there's only one chance the rapper. Like, and it's amazing what they've been able to do, him and his team have been able to do, being right. independent, you know. Um, but, like, there's there's a reason why, you know, like, 
there's only been one of him. Nobody else has been able to replicate what what they've done. Um, so yeah, I'm, to me it's more like whatever whatever is the most beneficial for the artist. So if it is staying independent, and not signing to a major, if that's what's most most beneficial. You're going to get to the artist where they want to go, then do that. But if you know you know, going and signing with a label is going to, a major is going to get you to where you want to go, then do that as well. Um, yeah, I don't think, I don't think every artist, there's some artists that should never sign to a major. And then there's some artists that absolutely should sign to a major. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's a, to me there's a lot of gray there. It's not so black and white of like, um, yeah, especially I mean, if an artist wants to sign to a major, that's that's like a that should. <laughs> I'm never gonna try and. What what I don't do is I don't try and talk an artist out of what they want. Like mm-hmm. if, if that's what they want to do, all right, then we'll pursue that. Um, you know, I have like opinions about it, and I'll express those opinions. But um, at the end of the day, like it's the artist's career and. It's up to them. So if they want, if that's what they want to do, then let's go get it. Right. So it seems like a lot of uh, managers. There's kind of two forms. Well, it's like there's there's the career manager, who's been managing artists like from back in the old days of the business, and then there's new managers, which a lot of people just kind of stumble on the job and then learn as they go. Um, so for people who want to be artist managers, what advice do you have for them? Um, man, ooh, that's good. Uh, one is definitely count the cost. Because even, let's just say, you're getting 20% of a uh, whatever an artist makes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really not, you know, you're only making 20 cents on the dollar. So really count the cost. Like, is it really worth it to, if an artist, you know, brings in $250, is it really worth it for you to get that 50 to collect an out? Um, you know, always, you know, so be thinking of the, like the long-term play. Are you willing to sacrifice up front, you know, the 50 to $100 commissions for the, you know, $2,000, $3,000 commissions maybe in a year or so? Um, you have to believe in the artist you're working with. Like if you don't, like, well, if you don't like their music, and if you don't like believe in what they are about, um, for me, like that is huge. Like, I give you one of one of my secrets. So one of the things I do is I give each artist I work with, I give I have this questionnaire, and. It's like five questions of why, five questions of what, and five questions of how. And I have them add or answer those in order from why to what to how. And based on those answers, like, it communicates, you know, like what the artist is about, like, uh, and what they're about, if they believe in what they're doing, um, if they've thought about, you know, what it is they want to do, what their goals are, what, you know, what, what it is they, they want to achieve, and then, you know, how they want to, like, get to these things and do these things. So I look at, the, you know, looking at that, like, it lets me know, like, how much they believe in themselves because, like, I cannot believe in an artist for them. If an artist doesn't believe in themselves and what they want to do, I mean, it's, there's no point. For me, I mean, there's no there's no reason to even like get into it because if you don't believe in it in yourself, I can't do it for you, and therefore I can't do anything for you. Right. Um. So that's um huge. And then um the music business. I mean, like I just you know I told you like five years ago, you know we're sold six thousand albums. I can't even remember the last time. Uh. You know, I've worked with an artist that did that, like, in their first week or so. So constantly, like, this, the music industry is constantly evolving, and so you just got to be constantly learning. Like, the day you think you've arrived and think you've learned everything there is to know about the music business, 
that's when you that's when that's the beginning of the end for you. Right. So so you always 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 like be reading, uh, listening to podcasts, like trying to you know uh, know like what's going on and always paying attention to where music is going. Because like here's the thing, like check out Brandon today. Someone could literally drop a song today that changes how music looks for like the next five to seven years. It is like music is that like volatile. It is that like unpredictable. That like someone could drop new hotness with a completely different sound from what is popular right now and change that music for the next five years. Um, So you just got to be constantly looking, constantly listening. And also like one of the things that I've like seen, uh, especially in management, is like managers are like our job is not to dictate to the artists what they need to do. Um, so like, because like I've seen managers like be on artists about you know being in the studio every day. Like that, like being in the studio is good, but not every artist needs to be in there every day. Um, you know, like we don't. Yeah, we don't dictate to the artists what they do. Anything we come alongside the artist, we're to be an artist advocate. Um, and I know that's not, I guess, like the norm right now. But like, I don't know. Like, all I can say is, for me, it's worked, and it's working. It didn't work with just one artist. It's working like over and over again. So, yeah, just, um, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I just this is my that's my kind of like pet peeve in the music industry as manager right now. Just managers thinking there's almost like this like god complex right now in management. Mm-hmm. You got managers that have like hit them success, and now they just think like, yeah, I you know you have to listen to me. It's not so much like actually it's the other way around. You, like we need to listen to the artist, right? Figure out how to get the artist to where they want to go. Right. Yeah. And what I tell artists is, you know, the manager works for you. Right. The manager, you know, a lot of times is referred to as the CEO of the artist's company, but the artist is still the owner. So the manager could get fired at any point. So, I mean, obviously you bring someone on because they have experience and they have knowledge and they're valuable for you to listen to at points. But if they're trying to tell you to do something that you're not comfortable with or that you feel goes against who you are as an artist or even just as a person, you know, don't take that from them. <laughs> you know, you're, you're still in control. Um, but I think that, it's funny. Huh? Oh, go ahead. And I was just gonna say, I think that kind of goes back into the, the whole point about the artists educating themselves, but go ahead. Oh no, I was just thinking like this, the stories I've heard, man, like if I went, if I took that attitude, like, say, towards like, an Xavier, if I was trying to tell Xavier, like, what clothes to wear, how he should do his hair, um, how he should sing, like, you didn't, seriously, I'm going to tell Xavier Omar how to sing? Nah. You're crazy. <laughs> Just, yeah, man, some of the stories I hear of, like, managers trying to make these artists do things that, like, they don't want to do is crazy. Yeah. So you talked about um, the importance of kind of always learning. What are some resources that you would recommend? Oh, you know, like there is, um, I have to pull them up. Cause like, it's so funny, like my Twitter account, um, the people that I follow is, it's turned into like people that, um, like I can't remember their names, but I see their, like tweets all the time. Um, but yeah, like Twitter is, there's like a couple of uh, music tech dudes that I like to follow that are, um, of course, I'm like drawing a blank on there. And this is one dude, um, he does here in Chicago, here on Tuesdays News, Brent Butcher, I follow, Cole Bennett, I obviously follow. Um, so yeah, it's just being like finding like, um, people that are doing like, so like a Cole Bennett, I mean, that dude is killing the music video game right now. 
like mm-hmm. killing it. Lyrical, he runs lyrical lemonade. Wow. You know, like that dude is just killing it. So yeah, I thought, you know, I'm paying attention to what he's doing. I mean, that dude, he's throwing his first um, music festival with Joey Badass and Trippy Red. You know, like headlining, like ten was it today, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I you know I read Billboard. I read. Um, XXL, Noisy, um, and then there's, like, uh, that's what kind of depends on, so, like, uh, for example, Xavier's, his very, his messaging is very much, um, you know, be encouraging, empowering, and uplifting to women, so, like, I pay attention a lot to, like, uh, this organization, a nonprofit called Women in Music, I pay attention to them a lot, like, what they're doing. Um, um, uh, who else, who else? Um, I mean, Instagram is like the new A&R. So, like, I'm on there a lot. Like, looking at our, just seeing, like, um, who else? I mean, you know, hot new hip-hop, I pay attention to a lot. Um, there's another one that's kind of more R&B focused called Boombox. Uh, St. Heron, um, you know, The Faders, uh, DJ Booth. Uh, they're, man, the writing of DJ Booth is amazing. Like, their writing is crazy. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I love their articles. I don't understand them because they, like, quoted me, but they're just, uh, yeah, they're good people. Complex, you know, pay attention a lot to them. Um, then also, like, this is going to sound a little random, dude, but, to pay attention to what's going on in culture, man. So, like, a lot of, like, news. So, all of them, like, uh, but even, like, Al Jazeera, BBC. Uh, yeah, just to pay attention to what's going on in the world. I think that is, like, another thing that, like, yeah, just being aware of what's going on in the world, period, um, right. is helpful. Um, knowing, like, what people, that, that lets you know what people, like, care about. Right. And also, like, I, I study because I guess, you know, like, I'm an entrepreneur myself. So I am a, I like to study other entrepreneurs. Like, I'm I'm a massive fan of Ronnie Fade over mm. at Kiss. Right. Massive fan. Like, what that dude has been able to do with his business in, like, under 10 years, mm. unbelievable. Like, you know, like, this man is the only person, the only brand to put their logo on a Coca-Cola bottle ever. And this company's not even 10 years old. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, so I pay wow. attention to, like, you know, I pay attention to, like, yeah, like, other, like, entrepreneurs and stuff that, you know, people, like, uh, in business, not necessarily, uh, you know, he's, like, a dotted line to use it because, it's, you know, he's such a part of the culture. His brand is such a part of the culture. Um, and I'm a real... Uh, I think the other thing, too, is, like, being local, like, being an advocate for, like, you know, people that are doing things creatively, you know, so, like, me, like, being in Chicago, mm-hmm. like, there's a, there's a, called Fat Tiger Workshop, and they house, like, three or four different, like, clothing brands, um, and the dude that, I mean, this dude's, like, blown up, his name is Joe Freshkids, I'm sure, I'm, well, possibly you've heard of him, like, Mm-hmm. So I can just make sure I like support those too and like know what's going on with them because they their music fans, they can help you. Um, right. You know, and so sports. I don't pay attention to a lot of sports and there's a lot of athletes that are fans of guys I work with. Right. Um and even wrestling, bro, like I mean Xavier is it's no secret Xavier's a massive wrestling fan. I'm not sure of the fandom. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan as well. So, I just, like, that's, like, people ask me, like, what it is that I'm good at. Like, my niche is learning. That is my niche. Like, that is what I, like, I try to learn about. If I have any kind of interest at all, I'll find out about it as much as possible. Right. And I've seen on your Instagram, you're kind of getting into uh, beat making a little bit. What uh, brought that on? Is that just a fun hobby for you? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, 
uh, you know, like SL, you know, it was, I think it was when I got it, it was like a hundred bucks. I was like, I'll, I'll pay a hundred for this. Just to, to like, yeah, it's a, it's a way for me to like unwind. Um, right. you know, just like, I don't, well, it's funny. I used to tell people like, yeah, you're never going to, nobody's ever going to sing or rap over, you know, anything. And there's like two of them. I got, there's two artists I want to use, two beats that I use. I was like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> are you sure you want to do that? Like, um, but yeah, it is also, it's another way for me to like, uh, kind of like relate to the guys I work with and to the art, you know, artists I work with. Right. Cause even like, I allow myself, it's a way for me to allow myself to be vulnerable with them. Like, I'll send them like a beat and be like, what do you guys think? What do you think? And it's funny, but yeah. some of them are like, yo, this is bad. This is just bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'll take that. But, you know, um, it's a, you know, it's just another way for me to, like, off me, I just kind of, like, um, you know, relate to them. And, and also, like, helps me understand the process of their, like, uh, of how they create, you know. Like, right. It's not, you know, these songs just don't, like, pop up you know, out of nowhere, out of thin air. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's just, but it's just a hobby, man. It's cool. So what's the future looking like for Moon Artist and for you in particular as well? So, the immediate 2018, um, I'm not ready to say who yet, but signed uh, first female artist to Moon. Uh, that has been like coming into this year, that has been a goal of mine is wanting to sign a female artist. So just did that. Uh, we'll be announcing that when it's time to. It's the first time that I'm working with an artist that hasn't been putting music. Like, even if I give you their name, you can find, they literally don't have any music out there. Mm. This is a total, like, from scratch. Uh, which I've never done before. Uh, everybody that, I, that I've worked with has been working in music laws, released music, and built a fan base. Mm-hmm. I just believe in her talent that much. Wow. That, like, I was, it was funny because I was waiting for a little while, and I was like, I, what's the, I know I want to sign her. I know I want to. Why am I waiting? Like, so, you know, I talked to her about it, and, yeah, like, you know, after a few conversations, and I was like, yeah, okay, let's do this. So that's the immediate future is getting her music out, getting her first single out. Um, when, I don't know. Um, tours, like Xavier's got uh, his European tour in October. Um, Iris Temple has got, uh, working on some shows with them. Probably got one out of the country, like on the other, literally on the other side of the world uh, next mm. spring, which is crazy. Um, yeah, like everybody, I mean, there's a lot of, aside Ziz working, he's got a single dropping soon with a video, probably a project this year as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, everybody's just putting out music this, you know, before the end of the year. There's going to be a lot of music coming from us. Uh, before the year's over. And then future, future? I don't know, man. Like, I'm, I'm definitely one to, you know, never say never. Um, I've had some thoughts of, of working on a clothing line. I've had some thoughts of, uh, moving into, um, representing athletes. Um, I don't know. I just have a bunch of different interests. Um, but music is like always going to be number one in priority. Like, right. it's kind of, you know, it's like, that's the first love. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be signing too much, too many more artists. Like the team's got to get bigger. Um, cause yeah, I'm pretty much at, at my limit. Right. To be able to do it, do what I do effectively. You know, I like, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty much in my limit. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm always looking for, people to come, like, we're, we're looking for interns right now. 
that has been, oh, man, you want to talk about generational gap? Because I was born in 1979. So I'm in that weird, like, Gen X, millennial, weird, like, because, like, you know, I grew up knowing, um, like, first cell phones. And, you know, I remember when Nintendo came out. You know, I remember the Internet. I mean, it was the first, you know, AOL and all that stuff first came was coming out and stuff. And that, you know, my parents used to make me go outside and play for, you know, a couple of hours and just leave and be back before it was dark type stuff. Um, so, like, trying to bring on, like, millennials and Gen Z, it's just there's such a generational gap. Like, I had somebody really applying for the internship, asking me if I was going to provide for them a MacBook Pro. I was like, are you serious? Like, <laughs> oh, wow. What? And they wanted to know how many vacation days they got. Like, oh, my vacation. You're an intern. <laughs> what are we talking about? Um, so it is, that has been so difficult, like, to find, is a, yeah, to find, like, interns, people that want to work. Like they want to work and and be willing to sacrifice. Like nobody wants to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to uh, yeah have to sacrifice anything. Everybody just like sees like the cool stuff. They see that you know like yeah yes I have got to travel a lot. I've got to meet some cool people. I've got to be part of some cool things. But how we got there, people what people don't understand is like you know I used to have to DJ for Xavier in the early days. Mm. I'm not a DJ. Like, that's not my, like, I did it because I had to do it. Um, you know, we had to get early flights back because Xavier had to go work a fast food restaurant job in the early mm. days. People just, they forget that. They think, oh, you just became a, like, overnight. No, it's taken years. Right. So it's just trying to find, yeah, find people that want to come and work and, like, So if you know anybody, Brandon, then I'm <laughs> So do they, do they need to be local to Chicago or are you, is it remote? It could be like, I'm, that's the thing is I'm open. My thing is if, depending on like what it's going to be, like I'm open, like it could be remote, you know, like if you can, here's the thing, like, and I tell the people that work with me, there's no, like I don't have set hours for the people that work with me. It's like, look, here's the deadline. This needs to be done by this day. If it takes you one hour or 12 hours per day to get it done, I don't care. Just as long as it gets it done. Like, so if it only takes you an hour to get this done, awesome. Go do whatever else. As long as you got your work done and done right. So, yeah, if they can, if the person can do what we need to get done from, you know, North Carolina, California, Washington, wherever, it doesn't matter. As long as you can get it done. Okay. Actually, I might have a name for you. We'll, we can talk about it after <laughs> after we wrap up. Um, but yeah, so well, I appreciate you um, coming onto the show and you know talking about your experiences and sharing your insights. Um, you know, our audience is mostly artists, but then there are also aspiring managers and other professionals as well. As well. So I know that they can benefit from the insights that you've given. So thank you again for coming and agreeing to be on the show. Oh yeah. Thanks for having me. I was actually surprised when you hit me on. I'm like, I don't know what I have to contribute, but we can do that. <laughs> well, no, I'm trying to get, um, help people see other aspects of the industry. I think there's a lot out there, um, you know, geared towards people who want to be artists. And a lot of it just kind of, you know, get rich quick schemes or here's how you can get 10,000 fans on Facebook. Right. But for me, the reason I started my company is because I noticed that there were not a lot of opportunities in the creative fields, um, specifically for minorities. Right. And so I created the company with the goal in mind, like, okay, one day I want to open up this facility and have like underprivileged kids basically working as interns alongside like the more experienced studio staff or film staff or whoever happens to be at the facility at the time. Uh, just to show, you know, there's there's other ways, right? You don't have to be, you know, behind the microphone all the time. 
you know, you can be an artist manager, you can be a graphic designer, you know, there's a lot of different jobs and there's a lot of different opportunities for people who are creative. You don't have to feel like you're wasting your time by doing it. So with this podcast, I wanted to, you know, highlight some of the other people who, you know, doing some of the jobs that are unsung, so to speak, um, to just kind of open up that world for them as well. Hi, Hi, that's dope. And I'm so, yeah, it's refreshing to see someone, like what you're doing, yeah, you're you're advocating for artists, equipping them, giving them the tools to, like, be successful, which is, like, rare. Like, you need more, more, more people like you being willing to do this. Before I forget, though, I do want to, like, you're talking about the future, like, I want, so I am um, native or indigenous mm-hmm. to, and that is, like, one of the things I want to sign an artist that is indigenous, native to to here. Um, I have my eye on one. There's one artist I have my eye on. Um, we'll see, but, yeah, that is my goal. And that's another thing, too, is, like, there's a, an awareness I want to bring about to native peoples here in music and in culture in general. I feel like we have something to contribute. Um, and so that is, like, um, be actively working on that for, you know, ever. Nice, man. Well, I definitely wish you luck with that because I know how it is to be a minority and to feel like you're, you know, you're overlooked. Um, so I wish you nothing but success in that regard. And I know you'll get it because you're, you're a boss. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> no um, yeah, thank you, man, for, seriously, thank you for giving me this opportunity to, you know, just talk with you and hopefully it's helpful to some artists. This is definitely going to be helpful to a lot of people. And that's going to do it for our interview with Mike Luna. Now, you can follow him on Twitter at Luna Mike. I'll leave all his information below in the description, in the show notes. Um, So while you're on Twitter, make sure you reach out to us at KDMR Music. I want to know where you're listening from. So shout out your city, shout out your state, shout out your country. Maybe post a picture of your flag, rep it proudly. Um, And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Music Business Dreams. Thank you for listening. Until next week, peace.